The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined, as always, by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On this week's podcast, we're building up to Saturday's Bon Secours Senior A Football Championship semi-final between St. Michael's and the Donovan Rossa, and we'll be joined by Skibbereen's Dave Shannon. We're also going to look ahead to the other Crunch County semi-finals involving West Cork teams this weekend, including Bantry Blues meeting with Ive Leary in Dunmanway also on Saturday. And we'll be joined by Blue selector Arthur Coakley. We'll also preview part three of the Castlehaven St. Finbar's semi-final trilogy, which takes place at Porcaquive at 4pm on Sunday. There's also the small matter of the world Rowing championships to reflect on and the incredible success of the Irish team, spearheaded, of course, by Skibbereen rowers in the Czech Republic last weekend. Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy won yet another gold medal to once again cement themselves as the undoubted best rowers in the world. There were also reasons to celebrate for Aoife Casey, daughter of coach Dominic, as she rowed to a memorable third place to take home Bronze alongside Rochestown's Margaret Kremen in the lightweight women's double skulls A final. This was a breakthrough moment for Casey and Kremen, who finished eighth at last year's Olympic Games in Tokyo and will be joined by Aoife later on today's podcast. But Kieran, I want to start this week with Castlehaven and their upcoming county semi final with the Bars at Porcaquive on Sunday. This is the third year in a row that these sides have met at this stage with both the previous finals going all the way to penalty shootout. So what are you expecting from this weekend's game? Are you expecting another classic of that nature? What odds we get another penalty shootout, Jack? I'd say, the, I'd say you get good odds of the bookies for those to get a, a third successive semi-final penalty shootout, but it just shows that there's there's very little to choose between Castlehaven and St. Finbar's over the last couple of years. Go back to 2020, Castlehaven won on sudden day. It was Mark Collins who got the winning penalty. Go to the 2021 semi-final. It was John Kerrans, the St. Finbar's goalkeeper, who, who became the hero as the Bars won that. And then they went on to beat Clan. And then, then, then they were crowned Munster uh, champions and got through to the All-Ireland semi-final. So it just shows how close Haven were to possibly following the same path that that St. Finbar's uh, did. So this is an intriguing matchup. It really, really is. Um, St. Finbar's, are they, are they slight favourites because they're county 
county champions pro- probably so it's, it's probably fair to say and they won straight through as well to the to the county semi-final whereas Castlehaven have had that extra game against Mallow but that's maybe not a bad thing either for Castlehaven because they, they came out of the, the group of days behind Nemo Rangers and ahead of kind of Kilty and Neustestown in okay-ish form like they, they didn't set the world on fire Castlehaven in the group stage they had the classic match against the Nemo that really high scoring game in Clan that they came out the wrong end when Nemo got a a late, late goal, I think it was Luke Connolly that day. Uh, but what, what if you talk to some of the, the, the Haven lads and even James McCarthy, the Haven manager, what they've done, it's been, it's probably patchy, you could say. They've, they've 20 minutes good here. They had a good first half here against Mallow in the quarterfinal. They had a very strong finish to the first half. And I think they, they turned a one-point deficit after 19 minutes into a 2-7 to the five-point lead at the break. So to me, that just highlights what Castlehaven can do. Like, the fierce scoring power. Like they, they can blitz the team, but they need to get a consistent performance for 60 minutes. And I know that's a bit of a cliche because what team does get a 60-minute performance um, in, in, in these games? But I, I just think they, they need a more complete performance because the Bears are the Bears. The Bears are so seasoned now. The Bears just know how to win. Like, they're a, they're a well-seasoned, confident team with the likes of Sherlock, Ian McGuire, these fellas, like... Top fellas at inter-county level. Some really good foot club footballers um, in there too. Best team in the county last year. And I think it's a, it's a huge, huge challenge for Castlehaven. But I, just, you just never write the Haven off, ever. Um, Kieran, one intriguing storyline going into this game that I want to touch upon briefly now is that of the involvement of Damien Cahillan with both clubs because the Bars are back in the senior hurling final for the first time, I think, since 19... 19- 93 so it's going to be a busy few weeks for Damien Cahillan who was sent off in the quarterfinal but his red card has been overturned he will be involved on Sunday against his same Finbar's teammates so just with so much on his plate how does he even prepare for a weekend like this and we can't forget Colin Cahillan and Jack Cahillan the Cahillan brothers they're all there so they're all in the same boat yeah it's it's, it's intriguing isn't it like he's going to come up against some He's he's back team said Vinbar's hurling teammates who whatever bars lads are on the on the football um the football team as well. It's probably not ideal for Castlehaven. Well, it's there's no probably not. It is not ideal for Castlehaven because they would prefer to have the Cahillans full time right now so they could turn their focus firmly and completely one hundred percent on football matters. But that's just not the way it's working out this year because the Cahillans are juggling juggling both so it's probably not working in Castlehaven's favour but for the likes of the the Gahalans, like it is hard it's hard to switch between one code and you're going from one big game to the next and I presume now that they're down they're, they're in with Castlehaven this week it's football 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 but then after that it'll turn back to hurling again I see that the the county premier senior football final has been fixed for October 30th so let's say Castlehaven do get through at least there's a couple of weeks there where Castlehaven can prepare Get the hurling final out of the way against Black Rock and Black Rock and the Bears, um, but it's just it's probably it's it's a great time to get hands because they're so busy and they're they're going so well. But if you're being very selfish from a Castlehaven football point of view, it's not the ideal situation. But um, they're just they're just the cards they're dealt. But you made a good point there as well that Damien Cahillan's red card was rescinded and overturned. And that is a boost for Castlehaven. He was sent off against Mello there. He got a straight red card and it looked like he could miss this game. But, um, but like all know, red cards at the late stage in the GAA Championships, they're usually rescinded. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what the value of a red card is in knockout championship anymore. Like, because if, if you take it, to it's literally league, just a punishment for the game that you're given the red card in. You have to leave the field, but after that, it doesn't matter. Is that, it looks like just put in your appeal, find your your whatever loophole or loophole that's available, and you'll be back back in action. So it's it's a boost to have David Cahan, of course, like because he's one of those big game players that Castlehaven would need against the Bears. Because I know they have some good young fellas that, that have come on this year. The likes of Robbie Minahan at, at going forward. They have a couple of, they've unearthed a, a few good young footballers, Castlehaven. But you're still looking at the tried and trusted. You need Damien Cahillan. You need Mark Collins to produce his best. You need Brian Hurley and Michael Hurley to, to shoot the lights out up front. Um, I have an interview with Mark Collins in Torres's Southern Star. And he makes the point, he goes, that Castlehaven just have to be clinical. He said, they have to take every chance they get because look at the last two years between Haven and the Bears. One point for either team in either of those games would have swung it. And we wouldn't have had a penalty shootout. So that shows the fine margins that, that we're dealing with. And it, it all looks like the, the sign suggests it's going to be another very tight game on Sunday. And um, I suppose people wouldn't be surprised to, to, to kind of to hear too that it looks like the likely winners of the county title could come from this game because you have the two top teams. I know Nee Wong and Colley would have something to say on the, on the other side, but you have two really good teams, two consistent teams who have been semi-finalists and finalists in, in the last couple of years. So there's um, there's an awful lot on, on, the, on the line for both. Like I said, Castlehaven have it all to do, but I, I just, I'd never write them off. Uh, just before we wrap up on this game, a name you mentioned there is, of course, Castlehaven, Stalwart and Talisman, really, Mark Collins, who for the first time in a long time wasn't involved with the Cork senior inter-county footballers this year. So how much of a benefit do you think that will have been for him going into this club campaign where all his focus was on Castlehaven as opposed to, you know, the last decade or so where Cork has probably come first for him? It's huge. It's huge for Castlehaven and for Mark. And put Michael Hurley into that conversation too. Michael Hurley exactly, stepped back yeah. from the, yeah, step back into county football earlier in the year as well. And I was talking to Michael for the star ahead of the the quarterfinal against Mallow, and he made the point that he's just enjoying this season almost more than than any previous season where he was playing underage with Cork and senior with Cork because he's playing game after game after game. If we think of Michael Hurley, let's say for for one moment with the Cork footballers over the years, he always had the role of, of an impact sub for for for. for Good stretches of that, but at least this year he was playing in the league games with Castlehaven. He's given his undivided attention to Castlehaven, and the same for Mark Collins. He's been able to step outside that inter-county bubble, and that's going to benefit Castlehaven as well because they'll have seen a lot more Mark Collins this year than they would have in previous in previous years. And like you said, Mark Collins is talismanic; like he's an inspirational figure. And go back to last year's semi-final against the Bears, he did a superb job on Ian McGuire. So if you get another big performance out of Mark Collins on Sunday in Parky Cueve, if you get Brian Hurley and Michael Hurley taking their chances, and in Cot McGuire and fellas like this, you know the Cahillans, it's just. Castlehaven are a good football team. They're a really good football team. They're seasoned outfit as well. So I'm just. I'm really intrigued and excited to see how this plays out. But I will put my reputation on the line now, Jack, and I'll, I'll say we won't get a third penalty shootout. <laughs> okay, big call from our sports editor. That game is on Sunday in Park Aquive. It's Castlehaven and the Bars. I think it's a 4pm throw, and though it might be 5. I have 4 written down, but for some reason 5 is lingering around my head. Maybe, Kieran, right. you can just confirm that for oh. any of our listeners who are planning on making the trip up. 
Yeah, Castlehaven and the Bears throws in at four o'clock, while Ballincollig and Nemo Rangers throws in at two o'clock. Both those games in Parky Cueve on Sunday. Okay, Kieran. Well, let's switch our attention into the Senior A football championship now, and Skibbereen O'Donovan Rossa who take on last year's beaten finalist St Michael's in this semi-final. As I mentioned, we're going to hear from Skibbereen's Dave Shannon in a moment, but Kieran. Skib O'Donovan Rossa, they go into this game off the back of a very impressive West Cork Derby victory over Donny's at the quarter final stage. And you'd have to think that their tails are going to be well and truly up. St. Michael's seem to be one of the more fancied outfits in this year's Senior A football championship. But Skibbereen have done people, have done everything they've needed to do to get to this stage. There's some people out there, Jack, who feel like this is St. Michael's year, like they've been the was the bridesmaids in the last couple of years. They've come so, so close to getting out of the, the senior A, but have come up short. So this is a huge test for Gino Donovan's uh, Skibbereen team. They could have gone direct to the to the semi-final, but they lost their last group game to Clyde Rovers. But that sent them into that, that quarter-final inventory against Donnie's. And I think it was like five points they won that game in the end. And that should stand to Odunvan Rasa. That was a good game to get under their belts because it actually lessened the, the gap between the last group game against Clyde and the semi-final. So, and it was a high-profile, high-pressure situation against one of their nearest neighbours. 100%, you know. So that, that should stand to Skib. Um, Skib, Skib will know the challenge that, that's, that's ahead of them. St. Michael's are a really good team. But O'Donovan Rossa this year, they're focusing on themselves. And that's what Gino, their, their manager, who um, it's his first season in charge, he just wants the team to look at to look at themselves. Forget about the outside noise. Forget about what people are saying. Um, just focus on themselves. And when they do that, he feels there's a really good football team there. Um, there. And, and there actually is. Like, there's some, look, look at the players that Skib can call on. You've the likes of don't look hard in it like he was in the Cork senior panel for a couple of years Ryan Price was, was a Cork senior goalkeeper the likes of Paddy Crowley who's very experienced some good young fellas like Dylan Horan Elliot Connolly Kevin Davis up, up front who could shoot the lights out David Shannon who um, we'll hear from quite soon actually played into county with Wexford when he was um, when he was based in, in his in his Corky as a as a guard so there's some there's quality in the Skibbereen team but I think it's really important that they try and get past this next test. If we go back to two years ago, they were in the County Senior A semi-final as well, and that was against Era Oak. And similar to this year, the Marassa were coming off the back of a, of a good group stage and, and their tails are up, but they fell short against Era Oak. They just didn't perform on the day. So what I hope on, on Saturday evening up in Parky Queen is that O'Donovan Rossa give a performance. I think they need to give a performance. And if they do that, they'll put themselves in with a really good shout of getting to a to a, a, a county senior a football final and that would be huge for Skibbereen it would be huge for the town for the football to have Skib back in a, in a county final and, and fingers crossed they get there Jack OK well let's not waste any more time chatting amongst each other because Matthew Hurley has been speaking to the aforementioned David Shannon about Saturday's game that game is at 5 o'clock in Parkerweep as Kieran mentioned so let's hear now from Skibbereen's David Shannon so after an all-West Cork Derby win in the quarterfinals against Donnies, O'Donnell and Ross are now one win away from the Senior A County Football Championship final. And joining me here on the podcast is David Shannon of O'Donnell and Ross, a midfielder for the team, just to talk about their game against St. Michael's at the weekend, a big game for the club in general. I suppose, first of all, David, like it's a huge game for you. How are you feeling ahead of the game? Yeah, I suppose, uh, I suppose first of all, we're excited. We're looking forward to it. Um, 
it's been the aim all year to get to get to kind of this stage. So um yeah, we're really looking forward to it now and hopefully enjoy the, the week leading up to it. Definitely. So and you look at the group stage, like uh, you did so well in that, like losing the Clyde, I know, in the last game, but in the first two games, especially in that uh, El Skibico derby as we christened the Southern Star against Island Rovers and the first game obviously against Dubarcus. You beat both teams quite comfortably in them. So were you happy with the first two games or were you more disappointed in the game against Clyde after that? Um, yeah, well, I suppose we, we like we set out kind of two two things that we wanted to achieve from the um, from the group stages. And I suppose number one was to qualify, which we did. And number two was to kind of top the group and get to the semi-final, which we failed to do at last day. So I suppose, we, look, we were very happy with the first two performances. Uh, we played very well against Newmarket. We're very happy. Uh, the local derby against Island Rovers. Uh, look, it was a tough, tough battle against Island Rovers, as it, as it always is. Um, a few things went away with uh, three black cards, but uh, we, we ended up coming out on top, which we were very happy with. So we couldn't fault ourselves there after the first two games, and then uh, we felt we did leave us, ourselves down against Clyde. Um, we just didn't get going. We we played poor, and we were quite disappointed after that. Now, to be honest, right. And even looking at the quarterfinal against uh, Donny's, like before that uh, Donny's game, did you feel you had a lot to work on after the loss to Clyde? Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose just to get ourselves right. And um, look, we were lucky enough that we did perform poorly in a championship game, but uh, we had that kind of safety net that we were qualified. So um, we just had to make sure it didn't happen again. Uh, look, I suppose when you're qualified, it is hard to give your best football and stuff. But we did try, but uh, it just didn't happen for us in the day. So we just had to make sure that didn't happen again against Donnie's. And uh, thankfully, things went our way now, friends. And you've been involved in two West Cork derbies, as a matter of fact, uh, this season against Ireland, of course, and against uh, Donnie's at the quarterfinals. So what would be the big difference between playing in a West Cork derby and just playing another team inside the county, really? Well, I suppose just, uh, it was a talk around the town, really, and stuff. And uh, John, there's something about West Cork derby seems to get piques everyone's interest, really. There's always a bit more of a, a biting interest around the town and even a training and stuff, you'd know. You feel it between players and stuff leading up to the few weeks. You're like you're you're playing against lads that kind of you grew up with. You're we were in school or a lot of Island Rovers lads, and we'd have been in college and stuff with a few of the Donnie's boys. So um, yeah, Jot is all as nice to have a crack off each other there on the pitch. And that quarterfinal against Donnie's, of course, a thirteen point to eight win. Like it was a very good win at the end. Dylan Horan scoring a good load. I think it was four points from play that game. Pretty good performance by him, and a pretty good performance by the whole team really in that West Cork derby against Donnie's. Yeah, look, Dylan, Dylan was he was brilliant. He was excellent that day. Uh, we're very impressed with him now. Um, he's playing well all year in fairness. And um, yeah, it was nice, you know, nice to get the, to beat the Donnies, uh, especially we felt after last year. Um, they gave us a bit of a hiding there in the in the group stages last, last year. So we owed them one. And look, we're under no illusions that they're they're, they're a good side and uh, they did bring a serious fight to us. I know a couple of couple of things went against him on the day. Um, I don't, I think they won't be too happy with their their shooting and stuff. They they had a good few wides, but uh. Look, these things happen games and uh, we're just we're lucky to go out on top, yeah. And look at the games of the past, like uh, the wins have really um, been down to, well, the players have done brilliant so far and Gino Donovan, the manager, has been absolutely brilliant coming in this season, I suppose. And uh, one thing he actually pointed out to me was um, the big challenge to to get you focused in a way was probably to not focus on the opposition as much and really focus on yourselves. Do you feel that in training and do you feel that's quite a help? 
Yeah, look, Gino's been brilliant since he came in. In fairness, uh, we are very, very happy with him. We all, we all, we're all behind him, and we've great belief in him. And look, he he shows that in us as well. He backs us to the hilt, as we probably could say forever on the sideline any day. Um, look, he gives us everything, and we're, we're we're delighted with him. He's brilliant. But uh, yeah, look, we we do try and concentrate on ourselves more. We feel that we're the type of team that look if we can get ourselves right and get us performing to our, the best of our ability, we'll be good enough for any team in this competition. And uh, whereas if if we kind of concentrate on other teams and forget about our own performance, look if we don't turn up, we're we we we're we're very we're we're not very poor, I suppose, but we don't get up to the standard that we should be at. So we're just trying to make sure that we bring everything really. I suppose not having any county players would be would kind of hinder the team in a in a bit in a in a in a way really. But when you look at say. The, the key players in your team that didn't play county this year, the likes of yourself, rights of Ryan Price, the Don Lowcottonet, Elliot Connolly, etc. Was it better kind of to have the whole panel together for the league so you get used to each other in a way? Yeah, sure, I suppose. It is. Like, there is, I suppose there's pros and cons with uh, having players involved with the county. Like, like, don't get me wrong, it would be great to have uh, lads playing with the county. They'd be training at a higher standard and, like, yeah, they're and playing with better players and stuff, so they'd improve themselves. But I suppose as a team, it is better uh, for us to have everyone around. You, you're ha- you have the same kind of fifteen most, well, seventeen, eighteen maybe, starting with league games and stuff like that. You'd have a few injuries all the time, but not having fellows away and stuff like that because we have a few lads working away, so it's tough enough at um, the best of time. So without lads have having lads involved in the county teams, then it's probably it suits us better. Yeah, definitely. Look ahead to the semi final, like it is against Michaels. Obviously, reached the final in the last two years of the CDRA, failed to get over the line. So, would you know a good bit about Michaels or not? Sorry, there, actually, got cut off there. It's a... Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, like, yeah, Michaels, they reached uh, the final in the last two years of the CDRA football championship. Um, like, they'd be a pretty good side. Would you know much about Michaels leading up to the semi final? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, we know. Look, they're a very strong side. If you see their results over the last couple of years, we look. We know they're, they're, they're the, they're the team to beat in this competition nearly every year. Um, they're the favourites from the start of it, so they'll have the favourite tag is definitely going out at, at the weekend. But uh, yeah, look, we look forward to playing them. Um, we did. We drew them in the group stages uh two years ago, and we had a great match over in um, over in St Mary's and Dunleen, and uh, yeah, it was a cracking match. So we look forward to playing them again. <laughs> And I suppose another aspect that you'd be looking forward to is probably going out in the Park and Keeve turf. Uh, like, uh, some of the team haven't been in Park and Keeve, I can imagine, as well. So uh, what's that going to be like, going out to Park and Keeve in a, in a double header, really, in the county semi-final? It doesn't really get much better than that. No, no I look, it's, like, it's excellent. It's what you were kind of, I suppose, dream of really growing up. You're young, less playing, playing J.A. in Cork, like you want. You want to be playing on the, in the main pitch in the, in the county, like, so... Yeah, it'd be great. There's a lot of fellas haven't played there. I know myself, I haven't played a match there, like so. Um, and there's a lot of young lads there involved who haven't played there either, but they, it won't make a difference. I'm sure uh, the lads will be going into play and getting on with the game, so I don't think the venue will make much of a difference, but we, it will be a great experience. There's no doubt about that. Definitely will, it definitely will, especially for the young players as well. Royce through the ranks, like uh, getting used to Parky Heave, it's, it's probably what you need going up through the ranks in the next few years, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, and hopefully there'll be a few more matches there to come over the next couple of years. But uh, look, we'll start with next Saturday now and uh, hopefully we'll start off on a good note there. 
bit about yourself, uh, David, because uh, I looked through the history of yourself, you're a former Wexford intercounty player. So, um, how did that come about? Um, did you go down to from Skip to Wexford, or why why did you go down to Wexford from Skip in the first place? Yeah, so I uh, I joined the guards in 2015, and the end of 2015, so I got my first uh, station in um, in Ascarty in Wexford in 2016. So I was still playing senior football with Skib at the time and uh, travelled up and down for 2016. So I was living in Wexford Town and I found a club, St. John's Volunteers in Wexford Town to train with at the time. So I was kind of training with them and playing matches in Skibreen and stuff. And um, at the time, their manager, Paul McLaughlin, he was a Kildare man. He got the Wexford inter-county job in the 2017, the 2017-2018 era. So, um, yeah, he uh, he approached me... Um, I think it was on September, October, and said that he was going in and he'd just like to be like me to be involved. But the only thing was that I would have to be playing football in Wexford at the time. I couldn't play with Skib and be involved with a Wexford inter-county team. So, yeah, I had a big decision to make. And look, I had to make a decision for myself, really. It was tough leaving the club that you grew up with. And I suppose the club you love playing with. But, um, yeah, I did because things weren't really working at the time, travelling up. Like, it's an eight-hour round trip. And look, it, it wasn't good for the club here, me just being around for matches, and it wasn't good for my body either. So I made a decision. And look, this is a decision that went, worked well for me. Um, I, was, I played down there for three, three, four years. So, and then came back and loving it since I came back ever since. Interesting story. And I suppose if the opportunity did pass up again, would you go back to playing football for Wexford? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. No, it's green. So. I'm 31 now, so I'd, I'd say the majority of my good good days are over. So, yeah, hopefully now I'll be stuck in a scarf now for the rest of my career. And what would be the main difference from uh, playing inter-county football with Wexford and playing in the Cork Cedar Football Championship or Cedar A Football Championship, should I say? Because they, in my eyes, really, it'd be pretty similar levels, really. Yeah, you're dead right. Yeah, it's about the same level in fairness. Um, like the standard of football in West Cork is very high. There's no doubt about that. And um, look, the club level in Wexford, I suppose one, I, I won't rate it as high as uh, as a football in Cork in the club level. That would be because the majority of clubs in Wexford are hurling early primarily. So um, they just yeah, there's no club in football or in Wexford really to concentrate in the football. So uh, it takes a play second fiddle there. Was a bit of a tough question though. If Cork and Wexford were to play in the All Ireland Football Championship or a league or whatever, who would you be backing? Oh, I'd be backing uh, Cork. I suppose I'd have to stick my roots and look. I was only Wexford for well, I spent about six years in Wexford all, right, all along, but yeah, I'd definitely back to Cork. Now is where I belong. So you'd be dead right, definitely, David. Um, yeah, it'd be very, I'd say a lot of skip fellas will give you a lot of snaggy if you showed for Wexford. Oh, uh, yeah, big time, yeah. So there's, uh, there's always a good crack, sure. That's a bit of crack between lads as well, in fairness. So, yeah, it's a good laugh. Absolutely. And uh, I suppose, uh, really, what would this win mean for Skibbery if they were to win the semi-final against Michaels to get into a Cedar A final and uh, potentially get up to a Premier Cedar Championship as well? Like, what would it mean for the community of Skib really to get up to that championship? Because uh, you're all our winners of the past. Like, you won it in the 90s with uh, the likes of the Davises in that team as well. So for Skip to get back up to the top grade of Cork football, that'd be big for the community. Yeah, look, it's massive. Look, it's 
it's where we want to be and it's I think it's where everyone wants to be that's involved with the club like uh, I suppose like in a way we kind of feel that we, we should be up there with the history of the club and stuff and uh, being a big town and there is a big football community around so uh, we, we feel we deserve it for the, even the, the, the past players and the followers and stuff to, to have them in the top grade and have them sporting the, the top club so yeah definitely look at, to, to be a massive achievement for us to get us back up there but um, it's the number one priority really over the next we said it out since since uh, we did get relegated that it was always our aim to get back up as soon as possible. And how do you feel about this system actually playing in Cedar A rather than Premier Senior? Like there's twelve team, twelve clubs. In fact, in Premier Senior, twelve clubs in uh, Senior A. Like uh, it, it was a bigger championship in the past. Do you think it kind of suits uh, sides like skip more playing in this championship, playing with teams at your level rather than getting uh, beatings? Like um, I suppose. If you played in Nemo or Castlehaven, you you might not really develop. But as you're playing at Cedar A, you've developed hugely this season. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, like everyone else would always say that um, you'd rather be in the top championship. But look, you have to be realistic. We're, we're realistic at the level we're at, and uh, there's nothing better than a competitive championship game. I know a couple of years before we we did get relegated um, or got put down to Cedar A, I suppose you should call it. Um, we drew Nemo a couple of years and there wasn't a few pretty results like so look we're we're in the division we're in at the moment and we have been there for the last two or three years. So um we're just doing our best to get back up over there and, and, and improve as well to make sure that we're good enough to be up there. Um there's much point in going up there if you're not good enough to compete. Uh so yeah, hopefully we'll be good enough to get up there and stay up there and compete in the next couple of years. And uh, that game against St. Michael's is on at 5 o'clock this Saturday in Parky Keeve. Should be a very good game. And uh, definitely the whole of West Cork will be behind O'Donovan Rossa for that game. Thank you, David, for coming on to the podcast. Best of luck now on Saturday against St. Michael's. And uh, the whole of West Cork is behind you. Lovely. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks, man. Kieran, the other big game on Saturday involving a West Cork side in county semi-final action is at Dunmanway and it's four o'clock throwing and it's the Bantry Blues against Ive Leary, an impressive Ive Leary side who, let's be frank, looked very impressive in their victory over Rock Chapel at the quarter final stage. So Bantry have been good this year. We know that Roy Dean has been on form both for his home club and for the Calvary Divisional side, as have many of his Bantry teammates. But this is not going to be an easy outing for the Bantry boys? No, 100%. But what I like about this story is Bantry were relegated from the senior A football last year. So they were down down Premier Intermediate this year and they, they could have felt sorry for themselves, you know, kind of being relegated, but they didn't. They, they've regrouped. They've had a really strong year. I'm just looking at some of the results there through the through the group stages. They beat the Pierce 210 to, to 13 points before that. They, they beat Castletown Bear by a point in an absolute thriller. That was 311 to, to 19 points. And before that, again, Bentry beat Ahad at 211 to 19. So, Bantry are coming off the, the back of three group wins. So they topped their group and they went direct into the, the Premier Intermediate um, semi-final. Ivlera are really good. We have to say it like they've been on a, on a road the last couple of years. Like they beat Rock Chapel there, won 16 to 12 in the quarterfinal. They have the likes of Chris Oak Jones, Cahill Vaughan. So there's a, there's a really good team there. But I, I just like what Bantry have done this year. Like I said, they've regrouped. They put win after win after win together. Put a bit of momentum be, um, behind the team, but have injected a bit of life, I think, in a 
and that self-belief in, into the team. And, and that's good for Bantry Town and, and the whole club. And it would be absolutely brilliant for Bantry, much like I said with Skibbereen, to get the county final. It's been a long time since Bantry have been in a in a county final. And so if they can get back into another county final, that's that's big news, big news locally. And they, they have they have a good chance. Like you said, Rory Dean has been very strong this year, both for, for club and for Carberry. We're looking at some of the scorers here. Arthur Coakley um, has put 111 on the scoreboard. The likes of Petty Cronin has 2-4. Dan Murray, 1-4. Kevin Coakley, 1-2. You've Sean O'Leary, Shane Keevers, Kevin Harrington, Stephen Coughlin, Seth, Seth Thornton. They've all chipped in with scores. And they have averaged nearly 18 points a game in the group stage. And that, that's a that's a really high scoring average. So if they could do anything similar to that on on, on Saturday in Dunmanway, they have a really good chance of getting to a to a, a county final. And it would be brilliant. Like we've three West Cork teams in county semi-finals this weekend. We've the Haven, we've the Skib and Bentry. In an ideal world, and being very selfish from the Southern Star Sports Department. I want all three to get through. Okay. Yeah, and just, I, I, um, Kieran, just to cut across you there and not to uh, upset our friends up in the Gwail Talk as well, Kildamacha are also involved in semi-final action. They're in the opposite semi-final to Bantry. So I know we have some listeners in Kildamacha. We have readers from that part of Cork as well. So we're going to touch on them in a moment. But yeah, so as Kieran said, we're going to hear from Artokoki. There's three West Cork sides in action. Three. I'm going to say four West Cork sides for the sake of argument. So just briefly on the Kilnamatra Canturk game, Kieran, that one's in Mallow, the winners of which will play the winners of Bantry and Ive Leary. So any thoughts on that one before we hear from Arthur Coakley? Give me Kilnamatra and Bantry. So to appease all, all, all our listeners to this podcast, Kilnamatra, one of the favourites for this championship at the outset, John Evans in charge of some really, really good players as well. Like, And this is such an open championship. It really is kind of... The, the four teams in the semi-finals, like you could, you could actually have a Kilimanjaro if Larry um, County final, which is all mid Cork. Like the two two must be teams. Like if they can be like Jesus, sparks would fly there as well. But as, like I said, from a from a selfish point of view, it'd be great to see see the, the, to see Bentry getting through there. Um, so it's just really exciting weekend of action. So I'm just excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah. So we want, I guess, an O'Donovan Rossa and then. Knock Nagree potentially final in the Senior A Football Championship just so we can have great quotes from their manager as always. Then Bantry against Kilnamatra and then Castlehaven against whoever else in the Premier Senior. But let's not waste any more time because Matthew has been catching up with Bantry's Artukoki ahead of their semi final against Ivlira. After winning three games out of three in the group stages of the Premier Intermediate Football Championship, Bantry Blues are now in a semi final against Ivlira at the weekend. And joining me on the podcast here is Arthur Coakley, the Bantry Blues selector, to talk about uh, their aspirations for this weekend's game. I suppose, first of all, Arthur, how, how are we set for this weekend? Like, it's a big game for Bantry. Yeah, it is, Matthew. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're good. The, the, the lads are all in, um, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We're, you know, looking forward to the game. And uh, really, um, every fella's in good next couple of uh, injuries that just clearing up. But look, there's full selection there, so we're in a good place. Was the aim really at the start of the year to go straight back up because you recently got relegated last season? So uh, that would have been a main aim, I could imagine. Yeah, um, it would really just the steady the ship again and see. Look, you know, I suppose, um, I suppose after last year, I suppose to say that we were going to go straight back up would be, but you know, be 
too much of an ask, really. We just had to see how the season went on, how it progressed. We were concentrating a lot in the league. Um, you know, we had a different team. Basically, we have seven new players that we didn't have last year. So, um, look, that's what we were doing, really, just looking forward to the next game, match. That, that's really what we were at. So, it, that, we didn't see silverware or, you know, um, as a, a, you know, just to establish ourselves again and try and move forward from that. Winning three games out of three in the group stages, are you impressed with how the lads recovered in a way? Because it was so recovery, apparently. Yeah, well, I suppose, look, um, Bantry Blues, I suppose we've been lucky and unlucky. I think consistency is our problem there, Matthew, over the years. We can always seem to play very well, maybe one or two games and and, and then struggle and all, you know. Um, so that's that's our problem, and all along there, even last couple of years, there, there's no there's only a point or two in in between the, the defeats, and um, you know, really, I I suppose we were lucky some years. Three years ago, we were against Sarah Hogan in semi final there in Clannacilty. Um, look, we had we 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 had a good lead, and we left it slip. And she look, Sarah Hogan got up playing senior now there, like, and and we're back down and premiering immediate so but like no I, I suppose we have a bit of quality only maybe just find a, a, a bit of consistency is what we're really after and just seeing a rogue in a premier senior demand Mallow or another team they've been in the senior A for years as well like seeing those teams compete in premier senior against the likes of the Haven Nemo Rangers and the Bars does that give you a bit of motivation to try and push on yeah, I suppose look, you 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 do you like to make it up to the top, like and and any of the teams that are in the premium intermediate. I mean, like they do struggle when they get up if they can make it up that far. You know, there there's a big jump from premier intermediate to to playing senior premier senior football. Um, you need you need a good club structure. You need a lot of players of a, a certain age as well too. Like you know, whereas we'd have younger lads playing now. You know. You know, you need a certain physique as well. There, I was at the Carberry game there watching um, Bellingcolic playing there, and um, you know, Bellingcolic had a good kind of physique. They're big men. They're a good age. You know, in fairness, and I think that was the difference between Carberry and uh, and Bellingcolic. So that's what I would get from that senior. The same at the Haven. They're all well built lads. You know, well able to move. Um, and I suppose some of the rural teams we we don't have that kind of. You know, maybe it's a shortage of workers and like that, but like certainly in our team, we probably don't have it yet. No, and I don't know whether we we ever have it. But look, we 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 try and play the game as fast as we can to make up for it. And winning three games out of three in the group, like it's some achievement to do that, especially the group with Ada, Castleton Bear, when the Pearshig were kind of a bit off. But looking at the other two sides, you described the Castleton Bear game as a battle of the bay, and it certainly was that game. And Ada. Or decent side themselves. So to come out with a hundred percent record, you have to be pleased with the players' performance there. Oh, hundred percent. Like I mean, we never really looked beyond the, the first game against Ada because look, Ada were going well, and um, you know they're a good, good footballing outfit. You know, so um, we never really looked beyond that game. And I suppose if we did well in that, then well, the season would open up for us. Then you know, like uh, Castle Bear, we were missing our half back line that day against Castle Bear. And um, it was a bit of a war down there in the sweltering heat. And, uh, you know, they'd probably say we were lucky to get away and they maybe deserved a draw. But look, that's that's another that's another thing. But um, no, I, I just felt that to win the tree, look, that's we, we've never been in that territory for a long, long time. So it is, it is great, you know. And out of the three games, I know they were all wins, but what performance impressed you the most? 
I, I suppose if if you look back, I suppose after being relegated last year, I suppose you'd have to say like what kind of team was going to turn up for the Addy game. That was our first game, championship game. Um, and I suppose we were impressive in that. They took a lead late in the game and we came back and we put them away, you know, and, this, you know, I suppose you'd have to be impressed with that. Maybe that was something we couldn't do before. Um, but look, the one in, in down in Adrigal against Castellon Bear, make no mistake, that's a, that's a local derby for us. And that was winner takes all there. Like, so, I mean, I was really impressed with that. If you asked me to start the year, which game you'd like to win, it was the one below Adrigal against Castellon Bear. But look, the one we had to do well against was Ada. So I suppose we were most impressed with, with that one, you know. And then looking at the last game against the Pierce League, obviously won that game in the end. But were you kind of disappointed with how the performance went? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was that was a disaster of a game for us. And uh, look, it was I I don't know. There was a stop start. It, there was no there was no rhythm to that game, and there was more stoppages than there was football played. And um, I don't know. Look, that's best forget that form there because really we never got going, couldn't get going or get it. You know, um, and it just that that game just quenched away. It was look it, it, compared to the other two games. It, it, maybe it was that the piercing or had one eye in the hurling or whatever, or maybe our lads had kind of figured that we were qualified anyway. So, you know, you get those games sometimes they're like, that's not as hard to get going in them. But look, that we've forgotten about that now, you know, and we'll move on. And you definitely move on to the semi-final against Eve Larry. Like, it's a difficult game for you. Like, this, their team synonymous for scoring a lot of goals in championship campaigns, and they did so the quarterfinal as well in their wins. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, it is, Matthew. We went to, um, we were up in Bantier looking at that game against Rock Chapel. Now, having said that, Rock Chapel were very unlucky not to get a goal at the start of that game, you know, and, and hard, Rock Chapel are a hard working team. There's very few teams work as hard, you know, um, as Rock Chapel. But like they are a dangerous player, a dangerous group. They play no lovely brand of football, you know, they defend in numbers, uh, they try and move the ball quickly, you know, kick, kick, put it through the boot, you know, up into the forward line. You know, they have some excellent um, forwards there, the, the two Joneses. Um, you know, um, Cahill Vaughan, Church, he was kicking points there, like he's some, you know, athlete. Um, and Sean O'Leary up in the middle of the field there. We have a Sean O'Leary in our squad as well, so it'll be the battle of the two Sean O'Learys. But no, he was he was excellent. His link play was brilliant as well. But no, they're very balanced. And you could see that they're a team that have played together and won together. And, you know, I, I, I would think that, you know, that they're justifiably the hot favourites, I suppose, for, you know. Would, would you uh, say they're the hot favourites for this game, especially after your side winning three out of three? Yeah, no, I'd say they, they would. Yeah, I think everyone knows is going to leave it to the other three would be the hot favourites to, to, you know, uh, you know, um, we'd be we'd be well in the long grass there, Matthew, there. They wouldn't know an awful lot about us, you know, but you wouldn't write us off either, you know. We, we'd be coming with a plan and uh, if we execute it, um, you know, we're going to be hard to beat too, you know. And you spoke about the other side of the draw as well. Uh, I think it's Kilimacra against Cantor. Cantor, but the other side, they've won three out of three as well. So uh, this is a tough championship to win. Oh, it certainly is, Matthew. Like you have Cantor there. I suppose, look, they're a big, rangy team. I suppose Kilimacra give them everything too. Like they're going to fight. Like there's, um, it's, it's, It'll be very interesting, you know, who's going to come out the other side. I suppose, look, Kentuck are favourites. There's no question about Kentuck are favourites. Um, but I'd, I'd say maybe there's no one looking at us and that suits us fine, you know. That's, that's really where we want to be in the long grass. <laughs> yeah. 
And sure, you mentioned the Carber game a few weeks ago uh, against uh, Bancolic. I was at that game as well. And uh, yeah, you, I think you had three players on the Carberry panel. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, but uh, Rory Dean was one as well. He was an outstanding player for Carberry that day, scoring 1-4. Like, how have they reacted to that defeat? Have they come back into training with a bit of a bounce after playing Premier Senior Football? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Rory's our captain this year, like, and he's really, you know, he's he's really playing good football. He's played good football year, year, all year with Carberry and with us as well, too. Like, so we expect him to lead the line and, you know, he's a hugely experienced player. Like, um, so, we're, you know, the other lads as well, they all came out of the Carberry experience and none of them have injuries there. So, look, we're, we're good there. Um, as well, so um, look, we're just really looking forward to it. And if we have a bit of luck, you know, whoever can take their scores, take their chances, is going to win on Saturday. You know, that's about the the, the high up and low down order. You know, and I suppose we get to where Carberry were playing in the Premier Senior Football Championship, but then the other sides are from uh, divisions like uh, Duhallo and uh, Moscree, and they didn't get to play the Premier Senior against a side like Balancholic. So would that be a positive that them players have come back um, playing better opposition, higher opposition in a way? Well, I suppose the big thing with Carberry there, if you get a run with Carberry, like for all the players, especially, I mean, I suppose, look, we're playing at a high enough level there, you know, but I know that Junior has some, there were some cracking young players in the Carberry setup, you know, um, and it's a huge experience for them to, to, you know, to go through that. And if any division side win a game, you've got a bit of momentum. Um, and that's what they had this year. So it, w- it was a fantastic experience. You know, I suppose when you finish the division side of, size of it, you, you the side of it, you, you actually, I suppose you're playing the proper senior teams, as you said, in the club teams. And they're hard to beat. Like, you know, and I suppose, look, at hopefully Carberry could come back and build on that next year now and, and get another good run going. And they'll have that bit of extra experience to get them across the line. Then maybe go a bit further, you know. So it'll be great. And what would it mean for the people of Bantry to win this championship to get back up to Cedar A, where really Bantry should be, to be honest with you? And uh, yeah, it'd be a brilliant championship to win if you could do it. Oh, it would be super. Sure, we haven't won a trophy in adult football with um, twenty-four years. Do you know where we were? We were, I suppose, we were. We're hungry for it. We wanted. I mean, twenty-four years ago, some of our panel weren't even born. You know, so there was four or five lads that weren't even born. Then when we won the the county last, you know. So, but it's it's um, it would be huge for the club because you know we we're a great club. Like clubs have to struggle sometimes, you know, and then kind of it's like a famine there, and you know you don't get success. Um, but look, we are hungry for it. Look, we try things. We have a new manager in. We have um David O'Donovan there from St Mary's. He came in this year now and kind of looked at things differently as a different approach. And, you know, it's a bit of a, maybe it's the, it's what we needed, really. You know, you need to get a, a different set of eyes on it. Um, and he's been fantastic and the players really respect him and, and work hard for him. So, you know, we're hoping that he'll get something out of it as well. But look, the club, club would love it. We'd love to have a day in the park. But we never look beyond the next game. So, to be quite honest with you, Matthew, the next game is on Friday or Saturday at four o'clock. So we're, we're just all going through that. We're not even looking over the ditch at what could happen next. So everything will be focused on on, on Saturday at four. So hopefully at uh, half five, <laughs> that'll be another interview for you. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. And uh, like not winning a trophy for twenty four years, like would that give the players an extra motivation to try and win the Premier Intermediate Football Championship? 
Yeah, well, I, I suppose, Matthew, they're trying every year, like, but I, I, I suppose, like, we, like there, there's, we're very rural down here, like, I know everyone says we're a big town and we should be doing more and things, we're doing, we're doing what we can with the commitment we have, with the players we have, like, we don't have the job zone in Bantry, like, uh, I mean, like, I was just noticing in Ballincollig there, all their players are probably based inside in the city, they can, they can pretty much walk to the pitch, um, we don't have that, we have fellas above in Cork, you know, um, working, Dublin. We haven't been Dublin. Um, with some lads are gonna broad the same as every other rural club. But um it is difficult. Like I mean, we used to train in Cludov up to before COVID there. Every year we we trained in Cludov because we had only three or four players back in Bantry and most of them were in college and working in Cork. So that's the kind of pressure. So we we are as a club working as hard as we can. But like I suppose look, you need a, a bit of luck and you need uh like some of the younger players are after maturing, you know, and you know, um you know, I think I think we can we can progress maybe a bit further. That's providing we need a bit of look. We don't have a huge panel, but look, uh, we have, what we have is good. And Bantry are in action on uh, Saturday at four o'clock, as Otter just mentioned there against Eve Leary. Should be a very very interesting semi final. Thank you, Otter, for coming on to the podcast today. Wish you the best of luck on Saturday. And uh, the West Corkies West Corkies behind Bantry Blues. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. The Irish rowing team was, of course, hugely successful at the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic last weekend. And they were, of course, spearheaded by the Skibbereen rowers, including Paula Donovan, Finta McCarthy, and the guests we're going to speak to in just a few moments, Aoife Casey. There were more involved, Lily Heafy and Emily Haggerty also impressed but the first three names I mentioned they're all medaled and Kieran, I'm not going to dwell on this one too much longer because I want to hear from you what was your own takeaways from another famous Skibbereen rowing weekend I suppose we better start with Paul and Finton first what these two men continue to do is is incredible um, I've said it already this week that they're making the extraordinary look ordinary and that's just a testament to where Paul and Finton are at right now we know that they're the best in the world, but they're proving it time after time after time. That's six consecutive gold medals at international level, stretching back to the 2019 Worlds. So that's two world titles, two European titles, the little matter of an historic Olympic gold, and also a Rowing World Cup two medal from 2021 thrown in there for a good look as well. And it's just incredible to see because what's remarkable, Jack, about this year is that Paul and Finton are doing what they're doing, which is dominating the, 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 the lightweight men's double. But they haven't been in the boat that much together. Like That's the incredible thing about this year. Before the Europeans, I don't think they were in the boat 10 times together since the, the, um, the Olympic Games in Tokyo last summer. It's because traditionally this is the year after the, the Olympics. So rowers can take a bit of time down because... It's not an Olympic qualification year. That That's not till next year. So it's a chance to maybe to, to tend to other things in your life that you don't get a chance to when you get caught up with that Olympic cycle. So Paul O'Donovan has been really invested in his, his um, medicine studies at UCC. He's been a bit of time in Australia on, on work placement too. Um, whereas Finton decided to focus on himself this year, put a lot of work into the single. So that's why earlier on in the year, we saw Finton at World Cup 2 in a, in a single. We saw... Paul and World Cup three in a single. So they were they were doing their own thing really this year. They came back together for the Europeans, they won gold. Then for the world, they didn't train together again before the worlds. That's the remarkable thing. And um, Paul is back here in in Cork doing his his studies. 
the result in Benioli's in Spain on a training camp. But they rocked up together at the World Run Championships and they did what they did. They won they won their heat, they won their quarterfinal, they won their semi-final. And then in, in, in the final, they just they just did what they all what they always do. And it was so impressive. Like they were sixth after the first 500 meters, but by the half a mark, they were out, were out in front. And it was just inevitable then that Paul and Fintan were just going to pull away from the rest of the field. And that's what they did. They won with a couple of seconds to spare over the Italians. So we're used to Paul and Finton winning medals, and it's uh, I never tire of it. It's just, it's just brilliant to see the two skip lads from out the road here for our offices in Skibbereen that are the best in the world. But what really excited me uh, last weekend is what Eva Casey and Max Crimmon did. I think that's um, that's really what we're talking about. This is a very young crew. Um, Aoife's from Skibbereen, and she's the daughter of Dominic Casey, who's coach of the Rowing Ireland Lightweights. And what a, what a wonderful hour it was for him in the Czech Republic last weekend with the with the men's and women's doubles, both winning medals. But Aoife's 23, and Mags Kremen from Orchestown, she's 23 as well. They're a young crew. At last year's Olympics, they finished eight. They were just 22 then. And it was seen almost as a bonus that they got to the Olympics last year because they got through the final Olympic qualification for Geta. But fast forward on 12 months, and they're winning a bronze medal at world level. And they actually beat the French crew that won Olympic silver last year, they beat them into fourth. So like that just shows how much that these two rowers have developed. And I was actually talking to Eva Casey um, ahead of the World Rowing Championships and she's had a very disrupted year. She had COVID back in May, then she had a chest infection. So she only got into the double ahead of the Worlds um, because she raced in a single at Europeans. So for Mags and Eva to do what they did and win a world bronze medal, that's putting them on a the map. That's a breakthrough now. That's that's the bar now that we can judge these two young, talented women um, from. And it just puts them in a very good place going into 2023 and uh, the start of the Paris Olympic cycle because you can qualify for the Olympics next year. So it just puts Megs and Aoife in a really, really good place. So as you'll hear now from Aoife, she was after a couple of days of, of sightseeing in Prague after I caught up with her. It was a bit of well-deserved downtime after her heroics but she's really excited about the potential of this boat going into, going into a really big 2023. Delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast by world rowing bronze medalist Aoife Casey, who's back in Skibbereen, back in West Cork Soil after her, her heroics in the Czech Republic. First off, Aoife, huge congratulations. Thanks so much, Karen. No, it was really dream come true I think when we went over there we weren't sure what we were going to produce so really happy now that we we've come home myself and Mags with a medal around our necks so we can't really we couldn't have wished for more to be honest. You said in the immediate aftermath um, on Saturday after after that, that A final for yourself and Mags won that bronze that you were in disbelief so here we are a few days on it's Wednesday now has it sunk in that you're a senior world medalist? Yeah, to be honest, kind of and kind of not. I'm, I'm home now and I've I've slept for <laughs> a good bit of the time, but I'm really happy now that with that we were able to, I suppose, do our do our best race because we're we're kind of like a process driven crew and we don't really think of oh we're not we don't put too much pressure on ourselves really. We just focus on doing the best race and to be able to have done our best race on Saturday and. Um, have come away with the medal. I think it's made us really hungry for more. Just to like, it really feels like now we're on the we're there thereabouts, and it's just about keep training, keep working hard, and hopefully next year, and um, we can build on this success. 
Is this the moment that yourself and Megs were waiting for? Like, it, it's a big breakthrough. It really seems like yourself and Megs now have put yourselves on the map. Like, you're third in the world. You have a bronze medal to show from the worlds. And I think it shows, like, all the work, all the effort, all those training camps abroad, all those early mornings up in the NRC, that it that it's all paying off. So does, does it feel like it, 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 it's a big moment, Aoife? Yeah, in fairness, I think it's it's been it's been a long journey to be honest. I suppose qualifying late at the last transfer regatta, last year for the Olympics, and then um, having a great regatta there. But even this year, I finished. I was I was busy finishing college, and I didn't have the best season of I COVID, and then I missed a few trials. And the whole, even the whole, I would squad has really come on this year. I felt like the lads are, you know, we're you know we're under their own <laughs> winning left, right, and center, but. Even the light with the light women squad, we've we've Lydia, there's Mags, there's and myself. Like we've all trained so hard this year, so it's really like a team effort of, um, like like when you see someone someone from this team doing well, it's a real a real boost to the whole the whole work work ethic and everything. So I think it's a real team a team a, a team success because we've got like Aim and our weights coach, and we've got the physios Colum and Heather that are always helping out with the niggles and stuff like that. That. Um, even being able to celebrate with dad after the race is a really special moment that it's it's such a it's such a it, it might just be me and Mags on the podium but there's so many people behind us supporting us so that was a really special moment after after we came, got the bronze medal Take me back to the final itself so on Saturday over in the Czech Republic even beforehand how confident were yourself and Mags that, that you could get a medal you'd finished second in, in your semi-final so you knew you were there thereabouts so how confident were you Aoife? Oh, I don't know. To be honest, we like we we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves at all, really. I think with like we're rowing, it comes down to like point something of a second. Like it's such, I'd say it's probably the most competitive event at the Olympics at any at any race. Like the Lyo women's doubles or the Lyo men's doubles even are going to be so so tightly packed. So we knew like we had a good we had a good race in the heat. We had a better race in the semi. And we're thinking right, we don't know what's going to happen in the race. There could be six boats in a line like the Olympic final last year or there could be someone trying to take take it early and everything we didn't know what to expect but I think we just focused on like we want for the first all I was thinking at the start line was okay I need to do a good first five strokes and then once I finish it'll be grand so we really really just broke it down into saying okay we want to do the best start we can and then a strong middle we didn't really we didn't really put too much pressure on ourselves that way we we had small focuses in the middle of the race, but like we didn't really say, oh, we want, we want, we, okay, of course we were thinking we'd love a medal, but we didn't really speak, we didn't really speak. It was kind of like an, un, an unspoken um, desire to do our best. And because I think we knew that if we, had, if we did our best race, we were able to, we would be able to be on the right side of it. But at the same time, you never know when I, like we're rowing, what ways, what way the race is going to unfold. So I think we really... We, it was even three quarters of the race through, and we were battling with the French. Was like, they, who's gonna who's gonna crack here? But we really just focused in ourselves and our speed. And I suppose you can only control. We kind of said before the race, we can only control what we do. You can't really control anything else. So I think that we really had a really good and fun race that way. That we were in the middle of the race, and we were both raring to go. And you could see that in the last hundred. Then when we kind of just often often went found found an extra gear. So it was really. A really fun race as well as really hard and sore, but um, it was it was more so about racing the race that we're in rather than thinking about what's going to be the the lineup at the end of the race. You know, when you when you're in a race like that, and like you said there with the French crew, like that that last five hundred meters, you were battling for that bronze medal. How conscious are you that like 
in real time, okay, like we could get third here. Like, would you have known at that stage that you that you are in the bronze medal position and how close the French were? Like, what's it like in in the boat in those final couple of hundred meters? Yeah, yeah, it, we. I suppose coming through the five hundred, coming through the last five hundred meters, we had. I think we both had a little cross. we were really bad, and we would, I'd say you could see us every second minute looking, looking to see where they were looking at outside the boat. But I think I must have made a call to go around the last hundred meters and. I think in that point, at that point of the race, we'd been with the, the French and we had the same time to the halfway and maybe the same time the next 500 metres as well, that like it really comes down to just who kind of like wants it more. Like we were moving well and it just, you just, some at some point in the race, you just have to go. So it's like, we're either going to, fourth is probably the, because we were both, we both came fourth in Europeans when I was in the skull and Max and Lydia were in the double and we all came fourth and we were saying it was the best place to come for, motiv- for motivation, but the worst place to come because you're just outside of the medals. And I think what was going through my head anyway in the last one, it was like, there's no way I will die trying, but I'm not going to be coming fourth in this race. So we got to, we got to find an extra gear. And luckily we did. So um, it was really, really satisfying that like, uh, more often than not in pre- previous years we've been almost there but not quite but it was really it was really satisfying to be able to have everything go in our favor and really work out and be able to get results from this race in particular can you fill me in so Aoife like do, 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 those minutes after you cross the line to, to when you actually get on the podium what actually, what's the process that you actually go through then like bringing the boat in off the water and before you get your medals what actually happens there um, so the, it was my first, to be honest, Kieran, it was my first time ever, ever doing that either. So <laughs> it was a new experience to me too. Um, but we, there's a kind of a, a slip on the side of the, on the side of the water that you just hop in off and people give you a bottle of water and <clears throat> you're ushered, ushered up the steps to kind of like a waiting area for the podium, for the medalist, I suppose. And there we we had an interview with RTE. Oh my God, I'd say, I, I watched it back and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> I was talking, like I was, I'd never spoken so fast in my life. I'd say <laughs> we were both um, very excited for that interview. And then after that, um, I rang my mom. Um, I got someone's phone and just gave her a ring because all the gang were back at home watching, supporting. So that was really special. And then they just called our names and we headed onto the podium. So it was a real, um, a real treat, to be honest, a bonus at the end of the race. Oh, I was class to see. And even when Paul and Fintan were being interviewed after by RT, yourself and Megs, almost see like you joined the interview and to see the four of you together, like, and that's such a strong lightweight, like they have the four lightweight medalists there together. But as the lightweight group in Rhode Ireland right now, it's such a strong group. So what's it like even for yourself, Megs and Lydia to be able to train against the likes of Fintan and Paul, because we've had Fintan on the podcast before and he said he's had some but he said had some battles with you on underwater. He'd be in the single and you're in the double. So what's it like to just to have them around the place? Yeah, I know it's really good. We have a really good squad at the minute, and I suppose dad dad leading the charge with it. That we had a really good camp in Bagnoles. Even we were because the way it works out is that the lightweight women's double is usually the same speed as the lightweight men's scholar, just phys- physiologically wise and on the water and stuff like that. So it's always a battle in Bagnolis in particular a few weeks ago we had Finn was in the skull and then we had Hugh Moore as well he was the lightweight scholar for the world champs so we had we'd every every day every piece of session was a was a really good battle so I suppose it's just it, when, when you're in a team like that where every day you're going to water even if it's in a skull or a double or whatever it is like, like your own objective to just get the most out of ourselves and 
see who can squeeze out that extra kilometer and say they've won the won the kilometer race of the day. But um, no, it's really good fun and fairness. Like we we on the water we're professional and we train as hard as we can, but then off the water you can relax and you know you're you're in a you're in a team environment where everyone just wants everyone to do their best and get the most out of themselves. So it's a really positive and kind of strong environment to really be around and push off and gain gain speed with. You mentioned Dominic there. Obviously, Dominic is the Rowing Ireland lightweight coach, but he's also your dad. So that 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 embrace or that moment you had with him after when you came off the, the water and he knew that his daughter, he'd helped to coach his daughter to win a world bronze medal. What was that like for the two of you? Yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah. Like it's I suppose it's one it was uh surreal, a surreal experience, I suppose. Like with the way I suppose dad coaches, it's like a really tra- it's really transparent. So like he doesn't really have any favorites. Everyone's treated the same way. But even just him, him taking our hours off the slip, and both me and Max giving him a hug, and sure we're all on cloud nine after that. Like who could, who could have believed it? Really, like it's been, it's been a, it's been a long journey, and to be able to celebrate with him after the race, the three of us was really special. Just to, you know, we're 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 a team when it comes down to it, and being able to him get the most out of us, and us be able to. I suppose produce the results. It just kind of shows how how loud rowing is stepping on and how the way we're doing it um, at the National Rowing Centre is really working. So it's a real testament to I suppose the program that he builds and the way we train and the environment that we're working in. And how long did it take Dominic to tell you to derig the boat or put it back up in the trailer? Oh, I'd say it was thirty seconds max. <laughs> straight away, straight away. Max's Max's face fell. She's like, I need to go see my dad. Um, but yeah, no, we were, we were after that, and then we got oh, brilliant. And I need to ask too, for like, and you're probably better placed more than most. Like, what, what makes Dominic just so special when it comes to rowing? I know it, it is his life, and he's done such a brilliant job at Skibbereen Rowing Club, and he's doing such a great job at Rowing Ireland as well. But any bit of insight that you can give us, like, he's he's rowing mad. I remember your mom, Eleanor, telling me before that he's. Like rowing, thinking rowing all the time, even when he when he's at home sitting in the sitting on the couch or whatever he's doing, he's thinking about rowing. It just what what keeps him ticking along all the time? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a million dollar question. I think no, I think his love of the sport and like the way the way that he teaches us to train and the way we that we train every day is that like we like he's giving he's giving us his best, so like we need to give our best. So like if he's giving 100%, then we there's no there's no way we can give less than 100 back to him, you know. So that's a really good like a good kind of like worth ethic that we all have and that he instills in us. And just like there's no there's no there's no secret or there's no um, magic recipe, but just the way that we keep it simple and just focus on the small things and not overthink it is really I suppose it's showing in the fact that we that we we all um, that. We did so well this weekend, I think. What's next so for the Irish women's lightweight double? Is it a couple of weeks off now before you start into the winter slog again? Yeah, definitely. I think a couple of weeks off, restart the social life, <laughs> see if I've any friends left. Um, we've been away for a while, so it's been nice bit. And I need to find a house as well. I'm on the house hunt, um, looking at daft and stuff like that for a house in Ballancollig. So it's just kind of back to back to reality, to be honest, Kieran. Um, relax for a few weeks and then back, back and back on the rowing. And what is the plan? Like, obviously, twenty twenty three is going to be a pretty big year. That's when Olympic qualification can be 
can be gained or can be um and like you you've college as well and you've wrong so have you have you any plans or oh, so you're, you're finished college aren't you sorry you're telling me before like you you yeah. graduated from college so what, what is your plan for coming up for the for the next 18 24 months yeah that, that's that's another big question <laughs> growing is definitely probably my main focus at the minute i think i did i managed to do my my four-year degree in the four years so um i finished that in may so i think just a bit of a breathing space now will be good just to focus on Roy and see see um how much i can i suppose push myself just rowing because usually i'm trying to balance full-time college with full-time rowing which is kind of a recipe for disaster so i'm kind of excited to see how i'm rowing full-time for the next few months goes and then if it doesn't go i'm sure i'll i'll find i'll find a part-time or a full-time gig that i can keep myself occupied with but even heading into rowing full time for the next couple of months and however long, the fact that you have that world bronze medal to to look at, it's in your back pocket now. Like that's that's a great boost going into the winter for yourself and Megs. Yeah, definitely. I think it kind of just shows like that the way we're training and the way that we approach everything is really working. So it's just kind of like um, an extra an extra motivator to um, get the winter season start into the next racing season exciting times ahead i think exactly exciting times ahead and you gave us plenty of excitement last saturday in the czech republic so congratulations again Aoife, and enjoy your couple of weeks off before the winter training begins lovely thanks so much again the star sport podcast is brought to you by access credit union access credit union funding dreams for over 50 years Okay, Kieran, we're nearly ready to wrap up this week's Star Sport podcast. We're going to preview this week's Southern Star Sports section. But before we do that, just want to mention that the Star Sport podcast, wait for this, ladies and gentlemen, has been nominated for a National Media Award at the National Lottery Local Ireland National Media Award. So our Olympic coverage, the podcasts that we produced the day after Paul and Finton won gold at the Tokyo Olympics have been nominated in the best use of digital category so uh we just wanted to pat ourselves on the back and mention that and say thanks to everyone who tuned in for those episodes because they were some of our most listened to and engaged ever which we guess helped us with gaining our nomination so kieran anything you want to add to that the star sport podcast is a national award nominee now all we need to do is win so we can start going around and telling people that we host an award-winning podcast it's not all about the winning, Jack. It's about the taking part, isn't it? Until no, it's all, it's, all, it's all about winning. Yeah. Until, until, until hopefully Touchwood, we might win this award, and then it's all about winning, but no, it's great. Like, if, if we go back to that Thursday, Jack, that was one of the best days I've ever had working with the Southern Star. It was just a roller coaster day. Emily Higgerty had won an Olympic bronze medal two nights before it. Paul and Finton had won their Olympic gold early hours of Thursday morning. And we even we delayed were... uh, sending the paper to print so we could uh, get the oh. result in. And like that Thursday, like we went out to the Rowan Club. We did we did the live the live um, the live podcast from the Rowan Club where Shawnee O'Brien, the Skipperine Rowan Club captain, joined us and we did a with a live rendition of that brilliant song, which has always escaped my head, but I know if I hear it again it's Heroes of Dero Skipperine. Ah, that's the one. What a what a what a brilliant song. And then a couple of hours later we were out in Fintan McCarthy's house, sitting down with his mom, dad, his brother Jake, and he, and and, he, and his sister just to chat about what Finton had achieved. And that was just, that was surreal as well, like to be to be in their company and they were so elated and so on. So 
I think it just highlighted too just the beauty of the Star Sport podcast because we're closing in at 200 episodes now. Like we started off in February 2019 with this podcast, and here we are now in nearly October 2022, and this podcast is still still going strong. And it's we set out to tell the story stories of West Cork sports people, and we're still doing that. And it's just been an incredible journey, and I've lo- loved every minute of it. And it's um there's so much more to come as well. So it's lovely to see that hard work, passion, dedication, and the quality of this Star Sport podcast has been recognised with this shortlisting for an, a national award. So um, just to say thanks to everyone involved. Obviously, Jack has been a big part of this. Dylan Mangan, who's producing as well, but a really big thanks to all our guests and listeners over the over the last couple of years. It's um it's their their stories that have made a sports podcast what it is, and it's just great to see that work being recognised. And now to take things back down to reality, because I can see the time is against us, as you may have also got the same notification. So we need to wrap up with a preview of this week's Southern Star Sports section. Kieran, take it away. If we win the award, Jack, we might upgrade our Zoom, <laughs> our Zoom, our Zoom subscription instead of working on freebies all the time. But uh, yeah, there's 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 loads going on in this week's Star Sport. Obviously, the rowing is there and so on, and that uh, we've big previews ahead of the county semi-final. So I, I have an interview with Mark Collins of Castlehaven. We've the interview with Arthur Coakley, the Bentley Blues selector, and we've the interview with David Shannon of O'Donovan Rasa. We also have two pages on St. James's footballers. They are the kingpins of Carberry Junior A football again to beat Argentine Rangers in the in the Divisional Junior A football final last weekend. So congrats to everyone involved in St. James. Um, there's life in the old dog yet, as someone said to me. Um, St. James a very experienced group they won the, the junior a back in 2019 they've come back and they've won it again this year so the reward is the mick mccarthy cup they're true to the county junior a quarterfinal against kilmurray on october 15th and they're true to the new county junior premier football grade in 2023 so not a bad day's work for Kieran, for i just want to jump in I, I, with a, a bit of personal um pedantics um that i have around surrounding the name of this Artfield GA club because I was editing the sports section in your absence last week and I think we had five pages in total on St. James, St. James's, St. James's is, 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 and I had absolutely no idea how on earth I was supposed to write it down. So I reckon I had different versions of it 50 different times across the paper. Is it St. James? Is it St. James's? Is it St. James's? Is, 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 is. So maybe the next time you're going away for a couple of weeks and I'm editing the paper, you can clarify that for me because I'm sure I butchered it at least 30 times. You could call them the Caribbean Junior A football chat means now and everyone will know and then you get away from the data that a pass at the end of the S that seems to confuse so many people. So I'm um, but for fans of of, of I was going to say Carberry, but the fans of St. James's, whether you're home or abroad, you have to get this towards the Southern Star. It's another keepsake um for the for the great men of Artfield. So that's a success story. Bad news for the Kilbritton hurlers. They brought out to the, the, the County Premier Junior Hurling Championship. They lost track the last weekend, which is disappointing. We're putting our hopes on Kilbritton going, going deep into this year's um, uh, County Premier Junior Hurling Championship. It just did not work out. Also, this week, we have um, a look ahead to the huge weekend of ladies football. Castlehaven, Clannacilty and O'Donovan Rasa are all in county finals this weekend. So check out next week's Southern Star for full coverage of those games. So exciting team, exciting times for those three teams. I want to wish them the very best to look. And also hard up to Keith Cronin. Keith Cronin came up short in his in his British Ready Championship title bid last weekend in uh, over in Yorkshire. So we have an interview with Keith for his 
I suppose he's won over his options for next year. Will we see him back in 2023 in the BRC Reed Thursday Southern Star for the latest on that? And finally, I'm going to end in a high. Brinny Bowler, David Murphy won his sixth King of the Roads title last weekend. It is a record. He's out in his own now at the top of the Roll of Honour. So that's good news for, for David Murphy. So we have a full review of that. And we've loads, loads more inside there as well. Um, local action, Musk reaction, um, the Southeast Junior A football finals coming up this week. You name it, we got it. Brilliant stuff, Kieran. And if you can't make it to a shop to pick up the Southern Star this week, you can always subscribe to our e paper online for less than two euro per week. We've got brilliant new apps available on the iOS store and the Google Play Store. So, as Kieran said, if you are a fan or a member of St. James's is, 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 who's living abroad, and still want to bask in the glory of your club winning the Carberry Junior A Football Championship, you can subscribe online. Go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper or download our app on the iOS or Google Play Store and pick up a copy there. That's all we have time for on this week's Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week where we're actually going to be recording an episode in person for the first time and I don't know how long so me and kieran are going to be in the same room together so we'll see how that one goes hopefully we can stay friends while we're in each other's presence thanks for listening to the star sport podcast and thanks as well to our producer dylan mangan and to our reporter matthew hurley for doing the interviews with the bantry and o'donovan rossa camps this week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlin.